What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith, brought to you by Patriot Gold Group and the Public Square app. Grateful you're here. So this was our latest TV special we did, Road to the White House, The Countdown Begins. We talked with uh, my friend Alex Marlowe, Josh Hammer. Uh, Marlowe, we talked about Biden. Josh Hammer, we talked about Trump, what they're up against. But really, are you prepared for the year that's to come? That's what this is about. And we're really going to focus on this with the podcast now that we're a year away. We're going to focus on being emotionally and spiritually prepared for the craziness and insanity that is to come. What is to come this year will make 2016 and 2020, even through COVID, look like nothing. Are you ready for it? How do we get ready for it? What is our role in this? These are all things we're going to talk about a lot in the podcast. We introduced a bit of it here. If you, so we're going to talk politics for the first 35 minutes. If you're only interested in the biblical perspective that, the, that we give at the end, you can skip forward about 35 minutes or so and, uh, and just listen to that part. But I think this context here is important as well, the political context of what, we are, uh, what we're dealing with right here. Hey, America's the greatest country in the world. Welcome to our special, The Road to the White House. The countdown begins. Can you believe it? It's game time. The holidays will be over before you know it. You'll be dragging your Christmas tree to the garage or the curb. And when you come up for air, it'll be Iowa caucus time, January 15th. I would like to issue one warning as we enter this wonderful season. Don't get cocky. You cannot assume anything. Anything and everything can change on a dime. You hear the old expression. uh, There it is right there on the bottom of the screen. Whatever you think you know, you don't. Uh, it's, It's not as much that as whatever you think you know, you can't. You can't, possibly. Like, we all know what happened in the 2020 election, right? COVID, Black Lives Matter, riots in the streets, just total madness, the Hunter Biden laptop, all these surprises that no one could have possibly have seen coming. And they were all spun to hurt Trump, of course. Now you go back to 2016, there were just as many wacky, out of nowhere surprises, but the ones in 2016 helped Trump. So what's gonna happen this, 
This time, I have no idea. You can't possibly know, but it's gonna be crazy. Let's go back to 2016, actually. This is worth reliving and, and making note of again. Uh, so 2016, of course, the left thought that it was a total jo joke that Trump was running. Uh, I look for any opportunity to play this clip. It's one of my favorite clips of all time. This is Ann Coulter on The Bill Maher Show. Okay, here we are. And which Republican candidate <clears throat> has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's gold. <laughs> Never forget that moment. They thought he was a total joke. And then, of course, Hillary was going to make history. But she didn't. Because some things happened that no one would have expected one year out. Let me just pick three. So first, Hillary is maybe the most unlikable person of all time. The other day, Kamala was asked why you're not 30 points ahead. Why, why is, is Biden-Harris not 30 points ahead? Oh, we have the clip here. You have the current front runner for the GOP, Donald Trump, facing, what, 91 criminal charges? I've lost count. Yet, the Biden-Harris ticket is running neck and neck with Donald Trump. Why are you not 30 points ahead? It's great. It reminded me of this moment. This is September, right before the 2016 election uh, with Hillary. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead, you might ask? Well, the choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. Gosh, that is, uh, <laughs> that's an unbelievable clip. As unlikable as, as Kamala is. Gosh, you, you play that with Hillary afterwards, like, jeez. And then she doubled down on that, uh, saying that half of Trump supporters are in uh, a basket of deplorables, remember that? And irredeemables. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. Yeah, that's you, by the way, she's talking about. So Trump grabbed that and ran with it. Now, if you think that moment made a difference or not, maybe you don't. Those are just some examples of some wild, unforced errors from the Hillary team. Stemming from her general unlikability and reinforcing her unlikability. Stuff like never stepping foot in Wisconsin. Right? It's just an example of everyone thought she was a shoo-in. So you never know what kind of unforced errors are going to happen in the last year and weeks of a campaign. Second unexpected thing that happened in 2016, and, and things like this are going to happen this year, I promise. Do you remember this video? This was at the September 11th memorial. Look at her. It's like she's passed out already. Oh my goodness. Do you remember when that broke? Unreal. So whatever happened, there was a September 11th memorial, we'll never know what really happened. But this played into the whole uh, perception that Trump is the alpha strong man and he's the man for the job, right? We just got rid of our termed out beta Obama. And, you know, what are you going to go with Hillary now as a follow-up to that? No, we need an alpha male leading the country. 
And here's what's many noteworthy things, but what's noteworthy about that clip is you shouldn't have ever seen that. You shouldn't have seen that moment. And you never would have known about it if there weren't one guy there who happened to be filming it at that very moment. Something like that's going to happen this year. There's no question. Something with Biden's health. We'll get some hidden camera or behind the scenes revealing uh, that makes his health problems undeniable. So there's going to be some major surprise like that, surely, in the next year. And then also go back to 2016. Remember the, no, I was going to say the laptop from hell. No, no, that was 2020. Do you remember the hard drive from hell? This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Let's back that up actually a little bit further. Do you remember Anthony Weiner? This is such an amazing course of events right here. He was a congressman from New York City, you see him there. And he was just a horn dog who had sex underage girls. And one day he sent a Twitter direct message to a girl of himself. We're gonna play, we're gonna sh show it briefly guys. Just, just you. that's enough. But that wasn't a direct message. He pressed the wrong button and sent it to the world, sent it to all of his Twitter followers. And then he said he was hacked and the whole thing was great. He ended up serving like 16 months in prison for sexting underage girls. His alias was Carlos Danger, remember all that? Now, this started out as just like a funny, dumb congressman that no one's really ever heard of. But here's the thing, he was married to Uma Abedin. And you're like, oh, whatever, Uma, whatever. Uma Abedin was the vice chair of Hillary's 2016 campaign for president, and she was the deputy chief of staff to Clinton when she was secretary of state. Why does that matter? After he was sexting the 15-year-old, this was after like, like a bunch of stuff came out and he was disgraced already, but then like he kept doing it. It may have been like the third or fourth time he kept doing it. Police seized his devices. And on one of those devices were emails that were connected to Hillary Clinton's private email hard drive controversy on his laptop. So this forced the FBI director, James Comey, to reopen the investigation into her emails. How close to the election? Remember this video? This Remember this press conference? 11 days before the election. And Hillary says this is one of the reasons why she lost the election. It certainly didn't help fed into the narrative that she was crooked. Now, of course she was, but no, it was 11 days before the election. So I share that crazy, like, don't forget, like Anthony Weiner, like a no-name congressman ended up, this, 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 this happened all the way to like 11 days before the election and possibly was the final blow of her campaign. Who knows what kind of dots will be connected in the days, weeks, 
before this 2024 election. Things that happened maybe years ago that will come back around just in time. So it was a crazy lead up to 2016. I don't think we need to recap the lead up to 2020, do we? Trump, there's no question Trump was well on his way to an overwhelming victory before COVID, before ballots were mailed out to everyone. Do you remember the conspiracy theory that Trump was sabotaging the post office? This, this, everyone forgets this one. There's this idea that Trump was collecting post office boxes in an effort to deny people their God-given right to a mail-in ballot. It was, just, it was just madness leading up to 2020. Biden never left his basement and magically still won. My point is the real craziness hasn't even begun. Who knows what the final stretch will bring. But I'm here for it. Here's my analogy. You know when you're, this happens with everything. This happens, I could do cleaning the room or going to church or leaving the house anytime. It doesn't matter. Let's, let's just do cleaning the house. You got to clean your house, right? The last 10% of work takes 90% of the time. It just is, it's the, the last odd and odds and ends which take as long as the bulk of the work. Getting ready for church in the morning. We got four kids. We're getting the kids ready for church. Let's say it takes a half an hour to get the kids ready. Okay, so 90% of the, it takes a half an hour to do 90% of the work. The last 10% of just getting out the door is as long as the 90%. It's like, it takes another half an hour. Just that last 10% takes the same amount of time as the first 90%. The weirdest thing, I don't know. And it's the same with an election. The final 10% of an election is 90% of the madness. But one question is, will the surprises that come help Trump like they did in 2016 or hurt Trump like it did in 2020? All that being said, let's get our lay of the land now before we enter into the super crazy time. Very excited to talk to Alex Marlowe. His new book, Breaking Biden. It's a must read. It is all you need to know about Joe Biden. And the most important thing is Joe, we, Joe's gotten a pass for a long time uh, as this uh, buffoon. This guy who just walks around stepping on rakes, gaffes, he makes a lot of gaffes. That's not, that's not it, that's not Joe Biden. Joe Biden is an ambitious, lying mastermind. He knows exactly what he's doing, assuming he's going to be the nominee in the end, of course. Alex Marlowe, coming up next. Mike Slater, the first TV road to the White House. The countdown begins. Patriot Gold Group, one of our sponsors of this podcast, so grateful for them. Great for them, for my family. They've, uh, we bought gold from them. You should think about it too. I think this might be wise. Listen, the debt, it's bad for everything and everyone except for gold. It's good for gold. And if you have gold, then it's good for you. If you don't have gold, then that doesn't do you any good at all. Uh, the economy's not getting, it's not getting better. We're just gonna go to more debt. And the more debt, the higher the price of gold. So where do you get gold? Patriot Gold Group. They're called Patriot Gold Group for a reason. It's not Progressive's Gold Group. It's not Dylan Mulvaney Gold Group. Patriot Gold Group. Get some gold. Talk about a no-fee-for-life IRA as well, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold or silver, and you may be eligible for a no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollers. That's pretty good. So you can give them a call, get a free investor's guide, or you can just buy gold. 1-888, like hard physical gold, like I have. 1-888-617-6122. 888-617-6122. 
6122. Talk about it. And know that you're calling the Consumer Affairs Top Rated Gold IRA Dealer seven years in a row. 1-888-617-6122, patriotgoldgroup.com. Because look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now no. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what, is this that's where exactly going? what This is told. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President, again with Russia. Decades of that, decades of getting away with that. The great Alex Marlowe is here. He's editor-in-chief of Breitbart.com, two-time New York Times best-selling author, first break in the news, but his newest book, Breaking Biden, exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration. I have it right here. Read the whole thing, and you will know more than anyone and everything you need to know about Joe Biden going into this next election. Alex, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm just a little bit better with that graphic where the book flies in from the side. That is cool. Are we able, are we able to do that again? Or is that a one-time? That made a one-time thing. That may never <laughs> be able to that, get that, one. Wait, wow. here it comes. Oh. Boom. Oh, come on. That is cool. Wow, you're right. That is cool. Man, thanks for noticing that. Like, Because you can't... Yeah, can, can, can I get my kids up here to show them that? Because they've seen this book just sitting on the shelf. They didn't know it flies. <laughs> it's the only way to get them interested in anything we do. Yeah. Uh, but us adults need to read the book. So the most important thing I got from this book is that Joe Biden is not a goofy buffoon walking around, stepping on rakes and uh, gosh golly, all shucks. And now I happen to be in the White House. I don't want to say mastermind. That may give him too much credit. But who is yeah. Joe Biden? Yeah, and you summed it up pretty well. He's not this goofball who just bumbled into the presidency and is just getting puppeteered by everyone. And I think that this was a hypothesis I had before I started researching, and I spent about a year, maybe 15 months, researching Joe, which is a, a arduous journey, if I must say. Uh, luckily, I had a small team of top-notch researchers, all of whom had worked on number one best-selling books from our friend Peter Schweitzer, who's also a senior contributor at Breitbart. And I, I figured that America, we're too smart to elect a bubbling idiot. Uh, that it could, couldn't be the case. So I started to delve into his life and I had a hypothesis that no, he's not an evil genius or some sort of a mastermind, but he has a fastball. And we have not given him credit for exactly how capable he is. And the fact that he's capable and fairly competent is why things are so bad. It's not that he's incompetent, it's that he's got an agenda, he's got a vision. And his vision involves his family getting a lot of money, him having a lot of power, and then him eventually passing on a dynasty or a legacy to future generations. And he doesn't really care who he passes it on to. He prefer was a family member, though there's not many of those to be found who uh, haven't been in and out of rehab or you know wrapped up in scandal after scandal. So th that's unlikely. But he's wanted to be president, Mike, since he was a child. 
And he has wanted to ascend the ranks of American power structure. And he's been willing to do whatever he can to do that. So people look at, I think, the wrong way. They think that, oh, Joe Biden is just some sort of just just whoever the billionaires propped up. No, he's the instigator. He's the one who over 50 years in Washington figured out how you stay in power in this country, and that is to do favors. You do favors for people domestically, you do favors overseas. And those favors don't just mean more power for Joe, it actually means more money for his family. And I document probably 20, maybe 30 deals in the book, and all of them end up enriching various Bidens for nothing. Yeah, you can't gaff your way and have that be the case. You, you provide tons of evidence to, to back up this hypothesis. I, I believe it's true. The whole first couple chapters are all about his youth and his childhood and this ambition. And I think that's obviously like the root of this. You can't, you don't, you wouldn't have yes. this ambition to be president and then be kind of like this laughable or, you know, affable, goofy guy that happened, like a, or even a reluctant leader that just, like he knew what he was doing the whole time. Uh, maybe you can speak to his ambition as a youth and, and, and young man. That's interesting. But also, how? How did he get there, <laughs> if not just being a nice guy? Yeah, so he got there, first of all, it's just a matter of time. Uh, because when you're not a dumb person and you're highly motivated, and he is highly motivated, if you look at the guy, uh, he doesn't really stop. He's been elected office for a long time, and he does try to get himself in the thick of things. He's not, he doesn't have visions of scrolling on his phone or, or scrolling through Netflix tiles. He's trying to make the most out of his life, which is something that you know, one of the two or three things in the book, there's not many where I thought, okay, I got to give him credit for something. You do have to hand it to him for being ambitious. Uh, but that's kind of where the handing it to him stops, unfortunately. Uh, but he's wanted to be president for a long time. And even more so, one of the scariest things is he wanted to be like the Kennedys. So he had set up this mansion. He once was a DuPont mansion that was in uh, in Delaware, 10,000 square feet. So he's portraying himself as Long Bucket Joe. I'm taking the train. I'm uh, from Scranton. All this stuff, it's all baloney. He's trying to set up a presidential retreat, an alternate White House that has its own ballroom and it's 10,000 square feet in Delaware. And the plan was to be able to convene all of the Bidens. The, the, his intention was to hand over his legacy to Bo Biden, his son who died of a brain tumor about seven years ago, as we're talking, Mike. And Bo's number one advisor in Joe's vision, Hunter. Hunter was going to be the guy who's going to be writing the speeches. This is how Joe wrote about, this is what he wrote himself about his vision for his family. If you look back at Joe's history, key players in his apparatus, Valerie Biden, his sister, and the love of his life. Yes, direct quote from Joe. His sister is the love of his life. Fact check it. Look it up. It's in the book. Uh, Frank Biden, who was a, a guy who every single piece of business he ever got was connected to Joe. Jim Biden, who is entirely connected to Joe, these are both of his brothers, aside from that he was a nightclub owner. I don't know Joe's connection to the nightclubs. But other than that, international business mogul, campaign finance mogul, all this stuff is based off of Joe. So he enriches the family, they get powerful, they build their resume, he passes on the dynasty and America suffers. And you follow the money too in the book as well, Breaking Biden. Okay, I, wanna, I really wanna hone in on this, this initial point. Two-parter, why do you think people fell for the affable, goofy gaff Biden? Why do people fall for that? Or why is that even appealing to people? Uh, let's, let me ask that first. I'll save part two. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, it's a two-parter. Uh, the first thing is uh, we got anesthetized. We got numb to it because there's so many crazy comments over the years. And one of the things that people talk about now is, is he of deteriorating mind? Is he of deteriorating health? Well, Mike, some of the absolute worst things that he's ever said took place in the 80s and 70s that I tracked. I know on our Breitbart News Daily show that you host, uh, we went into great detail about the perverted sexual fantasies he expressed about his dead wife, Nelia, to a young, hot, blonde journalist. Uh, just crazy stuff. Uh, in the 80s, he's famously challenging a journalist to an IQ contest for asking an innocent question. Uh, it, it is, uh, and so this is where it's not new that he's challenging old guys to push-up contests as he, as he did on the 2020 <laughs> campaign trail. He's been doing that for 45 years to that point and 50 years now. So uh, that's part one, is that we've just gotten a nerd to all of it. Uh, but the other thing is, I do think people like authenticity. Uh, Trump says some crazy stuff, too, but he says a lot of brilliant stuff. And I think we're, we don't like the polish as a people right now. We're not into it. And so he's gotten away with it because he doesn't care personally. He's not embarrassed. And we like that he's not embarrassed, I think, in general, because everyone's just trying to humiliate everyone else. And a lot of people just don't like that. Oh, that's such a good point. Oh, that's right. That's definitely it. Okay. So once we read the book and we get rid of this perception of Joe Biden and we move into a more accurate perception, how will that change the race, the election? How will that change how we act in the next uh, election here? Uh, another one, I got, I got two parts of the answer. The first thing is we have to get over our anesthetization. Is that even a word? It probably is. Sounds pretty good. So <laughs> it's the, we're, we're getting, we have bombshell fatigue. Uh, we just had one uh, recently in October of this year where we learned about tens of thousands of emails that Joe was on with a fake name. There's no reason for him to be doing this unless he's trying to hide stuff. It was probably set up for him, I imagine, by Hunter and Hunter's team. It's clear the Biden's business is all tied in together. And we're just scratching the surface, Mike. We barely know Joe Biden. We, uh, I thought I knew Joe Biden when I went to researching this book. We barely know him. And so it really starts with the fact that getting people fired up because there is more to be told about this guy. And then once it's told, then people need to get excited to go out and vote him out because that's the main thing here. He's the tip of the spear. He is the problem. And if people feel like, oh, he's just a, a puppet of all these oligarchs and billionaires, Sure, I'm not saying that's entirely false, but I'm saying if we take that mindset in the next election, he's going to win again because those people will move heaven and earth to make sure he does. Hmm. Yeah, so we have to stop people. This is like, oh, he's Uncle Joe. Uh, no, 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 definitely not. Uh, we got to run here, but real quick, is there anything that you're keeping an eye out in 2024 in this last year of the campaign? I made the point in the last segment that like the last 10% of, of anything is like 90% of it actually, right? So, so this last 10% of the campus, last home stretch here is where most of the craziness happens. What are you keeping an eye out for? Yeah, I do think that he's getting less popular. His poll numbers are, are, are relevant. Uh, but the main thing is forcing the issue on a lot of this corruption stuff. Uh, people know the full story of Biden corruption. He will not win. We'll overcome the, the tech oligarchy, will overcome but people need to really understand the details of his corruption. And I really don't think people do at this point. And I think that that needs to be the goal of conservative media is to educate everyone we can on that stuff for the next 12 months. And then I think if that happens, I think he's got some real, real problems given the polls and given the current slate of issues, which are not that great for him. Look at the economy, the Middle East, all that stuff you can pin on Biden. Yeah, well, everyone needs to read the flying book 
Are we able to do that? Do we have it again, guys? Or is that, I don't know, this, the only book you've ever known to fly in on the screen, Breaking Biden by Alex Marlow, editor-in-chief of Bright. That's it. We don't have it. It'll never happen again, Alex. We don't have the, that. The, the, was incredible. It was incredible. I'd love to see it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we got to experience it together. Alex Marlow, Breitbart.com. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Alex mentioned that uh, I host the, the morning show on Sirius XM Patriot, Breitbart News Daily. And uh, if you want more of Alex, we talk usually every Thursday or Friday for about a half an hour or so. Love, Alex. Coming up next, Josh Hammer. We'll talk about Trump's legal issues, what, what turns, crazy wild turns can happen uh, from that perspective. That's coming up next right here on The First TV. Spread the word. I want to thank our sponsor, Public Square. I know Michael, been friends with him for a while. I was at the launch of the app and I was like, oh, this, I hope this works. <laughs> I hope this is a thing. I, I, I caught Michael's vision and I was just praying that it worked. And it is in profound ways. Their goal is to be the Amazon of sane people. <laughs> really, like where you can buy stuff in the app. Like they have a huge, they're, they're a public company now. Donald Trump Jr. invested and uh, they're now public on the like stock exchange. They're, they're, it's unbelievable. And they're never gonna sell out. They will never sell out. In fact, they're making it easier for you to not be a sellout and for you to only spend your money on companies that share your values. That's the whole point. PublicSQ.com, you can read the uh, values that every single person in the app who wants to sell anything in the app has to agree with. I wonder if anyone's been kicked out of the app. Uh, I wonder, I'll talk to Michael about that, but uh, if you're in, you're a true conservative and you can buy from these companies. Companies that don't believe in abortion or ESG or diversity, inclusion, equity, they believe in free speech, pro-life, all those things, beautiful. PublicSQ.com, free download, free, totally free. Just download it free on your phone. Public Square in the App Store. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. Hmm, and he just might. Josh Hammer is here, host of The Josh Hammer Show and the senior editor-at-large for Newsweek. Josh, how you doing? Mike, I'm doing all right. Always a pleasure to join you. I'm glad you're here. So let's talk about Trump's legal issues. I think we've, we've I don't know, become numb to it, perhaps. At least I have. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever. We're at 91 charges. He'll spend 10,000 years in jail, whatever. Uh, but these are real <laughs> or not, or, or is it all for show? How, how do you interpret this? So since the beginning, you know, going back to the first indictment, the Alvin Bragg indictment in New York City, I mean, my approach personally has always been that you have to take each indictment on its own individual merit. So the indictment in New York City with Alvin Bragg is laughably frivolous. I mean, that was the first out of the gate. It's totally absurd. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous to try to indict him for for essentially just making a payment. I, I mean, it's a t totally contorted statutory interpretation they're doing there. It's transparently a political persecution. Alvin Bragg, of course, a Soros 
funded prosecutor who literally ran for office on a platform that he would prosecute Trump the same way that Tish James, the attorney general of New York State, ran that platform. So that was just totally laughable. I mean, the next three indictments are of varying degrees of slightly more serious. Now, here in Florida, where I live, I mean, that federal prosecution brought by special counsel Jack Smith that will be heard before Judge Cannon, I think that the facts there are potentially the most troubling as far as just kind of legal implications because the, the factual allegations include, again, it's just an allegation, but they say that that Trump just flat up ignored a, a, a grand jury subpoena. I mean, that's, that's very bad if true. Again, it's just an allegation there. And now the silver lining there is that this is in Florida. It's a more, you know, it's a redder jurisdiction. It's not even in kind of like urban Florida. It's a little more rural. So he might get a decent jury pool there. The one in Washington, D.C., is, is potentially troublesome because it's Washington, D.C. It's also a, a deeply, deeply chilling interpretation of free speech. It's really kind of infringing upon free speech. The one that I would be most concerned about if I were Trump by far, I don't even think it's a close call, is Georgia, especially in the aftermath of some of his you know, former lawyers, folks like Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis taking plea deals. They seem like they are potentially kind of going to end up testifying against Trump in court. I think you could see you know, Governor Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger actually taking the stand against Trump there. And again, that's the Republican establishment in Georgia. It's going to be a hostile jurisdiction in Fulton County, Georgia. To me, that is the most troubling right there in Georgia, I think. Is he worried about it from a legal perspective? I, it's hard to say, right? I mean, you know, Trump is Trump. I mean, like, you know, what you see is what you get. I mean, like, it's kind of hard to kind of figure out how he subjectively is feeling deep down there. I mean, you know, he, he kind of unleashes these paroxysms of rage, if you will, on his Truth Social feed, where he's kind of emoting with kind of the all caps, like the 10 exclamation marks at the end. But that's really nothing that we haven't seen from Trump for many years now, going back to when he was posting on Twitter when he was president. So, I mean, his behavior, from what I can see as kind of a public observer, has intended to change a lot. I'm not sure what kind of counsel he's getting from his inner circle of legal advisors at this point, but I, I think that the Georgia one is very troubling. Again, this is also a state prosecution. I mean, there's no federal, there's no federal pardon for a state crime. So this to me is the most troubling on multiple levels. And it's it's I'm in a weird place because I think I'm I'm like numbing myself to it by saying, oh, come on, like the, like we know how ridiculous it all is, but they would never put him in jail. I mean, come on, like, it's a former president, he's running as a front runner, like, they would never put the front runner in jail, but they would, right? I mean, where are you on that? So one thing to bear in mind here when it comes to all of the Trump lawfare is the timing. You know, trials take a long time, you know, especially in Georgia, there are a lot of people that the... DA there has charged. Now, many of them have taken plea deals, folks like the ones I mentioned, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and some others. But there are many who have not taken a plea deal yet, and it seems like the prosecutors, they are going to see this through. It's going to take a long time. So I guess what I'm saying, Mike, is I just kind of looking at the calendar ahead, I don't think any of this is going to wrap up for sure before the end of the primary season. I guess there's a chance that someone could actually render a verdict and charges could drop before the general election next November. Uh, you know, maybe they would want to do that if uh, just to kind of pull a political heist, right? And nothing, as you just mentioned, nothing really is too low for the modern Democratic Party and the modern left these days. 
But based on my knowledge of how trials work, again, as kind of a federal court of appeals law clerk, objectively speaking, I would be surprised if any of these trials actually wrap up and charges actually drop before next November 2024. Again, then the, the only question is whether they will kind of try to superficially expedite this just to try to get independent voters to vote for someone other than Donald Trump at the general election ballot box next November, which is totally not beneath them, but it would be a highly unusual and expedited legal process to put it mildly. Well, there's plenty of unusual things have happened so far with this. What do you think is motivating the people who are, who are doing this against him legally? I think it's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, the people in charge of the FBI and kind of the highest levels of power when it comes to the various prosecutorial apparatuses in this country at the federal, state, local level, they have clearly been out to get Trump, Trump, excuse me, going back to the 2016 campaign. And this goes back as far as Carter Page and the, and the FISA warrants, you know, Kevin Kleinsmith forging on the, on the FISA warrants. Uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, by the way, the only person that the Durham probe ended up kind of finding was guilty. I mean, that, that whole thing was a sham. I mean, going back then to James Comey, I mean, you can go on and on and on here, the Russia collusion delusion, the, the, the two impeachments. I mean, they clearly have been trying to get this guy since day one. And to be clear, that is not to say that Trump is a pristine or perfect figure. He obviously makes any number of missteps. If you, if you take that Florida indictment on its face, and again, I'm not saying you should necessarily do that. That's just the prosecutor's view of it. But the factual allegations that are made by Jack Smith and his team of U.S. Uh, attorneys on that federal indictment, the fact the fact pattern is pretty bad. Again, like you can't just ignore a grand jury subpoena. That I mean, that's just common sense 101, or at least I was taught it was common sense 101 back when I was in law school. So I'm not saying that he is a perfect figure here, but basically, you know, his basic M.O. that they've been out to get him since he walked down the gilded escalator in the summer of 2015. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I think it's true for everyone, too. I, I'm haunted by the story of the, the guy, I forget what his name was, on Twitter. But he had 58,000 Twitter followers. And he tweeted out this meme that said, uh, avoid the line, vote from home, vote, text Hillary to 95955. And he did that in 2016. 5,000 people, 4,900 people texted it. But who knows if that was like people just curious or like what? what? He got seven months in jail. For for uh, breaking like uh, like d denying people the right to vote and and uh, democracy was torn asunder and an assault on democracy it's like, it's like geez but the thing that really that really stands out to me other than the absurdity of it is that happened in 2016 and he wasn't charged with anything until Joe Biden took office so it's four years later and then it was another two three years until the trial was over so it was seven years of all this so they can go back a long time and get you on something if they want to right yeah totally so that guy's name if I recall is Douglas Mackey I mean he. You know, you know, I don't have a ton of personal sympathy for him because he was kind of an alt-right, frankly, kind of an anti-Semitic guy when he was tweeting back in 2016 under his Ricky Vaughn pseudonym. But as an objective legal matter, this is obviously absurd. And it's truly chilling and, and terrible for free speech. And I'll kind of give you another reason why it's so chilling to me, which is at the same time that Mackey was tweeting these things, and this is kind of the lead up to the 2016 election. It was October, early November 2016. There was a Hillary Clinton blue check Twitter follower. I'm blanking on her name. But she did the exact same thing. She literally did the exact same thing. She was like, oh, Trump voters, you can skip the line. Why don't you just text this number? I, I, it's factually indistinguishable. They have the exact same thing. And Mike, you guessed it. The conclusion to this saga is that one person was charged, 
One person was not. Guess who was charged? It was the Trump supporter who was trying to dupe Hillary voters, Douglas Mackey. The other girl was not charged. As far as I'm concerned, she's now scot-free. She's working at some kind of hoity-toity private sector job there. So the two-tier system of justice is obviously real. I've been sounding this alarm for essentially the entirety of my adult life now. I'm not sure exactly what it would take to rebound the pendulum at this point, but certainly one thing that I've been advocating for a long time is some measure of fighting fire with fire. I think some red state prosecutors have to start kind of hauling in some politically sensitive targets into court. Folks like Anthony Fauci, you know, this Hunter Biden indictment is obviously a good place to start there, but I would love to see some red state prosecutors start to haul in some of our own political enemies on charges as well. Yes, two-tier justice system. So you just highlighted it with Trump, of course, and then, and then even just regular people uh, I, I would be on the lookout for it affecting all of us. Um, my last question for you, Josh. Do you think this stuff breaks out of our bubble? And here we are on the first TV talking about this. I have a, a radio show on Sirius XM Patriot, right? You have your podcast, right? We're, do, we're, we're talking uh, to ourselves in a lot of ways. Uh, how much of this is breaking out of the bubble? So generally speaking, Mike, when you have a an incumbent president, you know, not every election has an incumbent, obviously. Sometimes there are just two clean slate candidates. But when you have an incumbent president, the campaign typically, historically, has been a referendum on the incumbent. So that that militates very well for Trump or, you know, whoever the Republican nominee might be, because Joe Biden's approval ratings are catastrophically low. I mean, he is a horrific president, no matter which way you cut it, from the botched Afghanistan withdrawal to 40-year high inflation to the horrific situation of the southern border. Every which way you look, you know, real wages not keeping up with inflation. You know, Americans are not happy, and they have every reason not to be happy. So based on that alone... I would think that the challenger would be in very good shape. And sure enough, you know, Trump is leading Biden right now in the real clear politics polling average. The problem, the major problem for Republicans is that the electoral and voting system still is in place that structurally favors Joe Biden and Democrats. Put another way, none of the actual key swing states that matter, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and so forth, have taken measures that I have seen to return those laws to what they were before Democrats opportunistically changed them all during the height of the COVID mania in 2020. So I continue to be a little pessimistic, unfortunately, for, for that reason there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that this conversation, I think it's it's important, but ultimately when voters go to the polls, at least kind of the independent voters, they're really probably voting on the incumbent more than anything else. And that probably does include Trump's legal drama. Mm, very good. Josh Hammer, The Josh Hammer Show and Newsweek Magazine. Josh, great to talk to you as always, man. Always a pleasure, Mike. As if you're uh, full of anxiety now. Oh no, it's going to be a crazy year. What do I do? How do I handle this? What do I... We have our, uh, our final parting thought next. It's our Politics by Faith segment to help us all <sighs> take a deep breath. It's next, right here on The First TV. Spread the word. Hey, welcome back to our special here on The First TV. Road to the White House, the countdown begins. Whew. It's going to be a crazy time. Are you ready for it? Emotionally, spiritually, physically? Are you ready for it? Know throughout it, as you get anxious or angry or any range of emotions, know that God is in control. Really, the election is why we started our podcast. It's called Politics by Faith because it's so easy to get worked up because people are trying to make you hysterical. Hysterical people try to make you hysterical. That's it. 
Resentful people try to make you resentful. Ungrateful people try to make you ungrateful. People try to tear you down. So hysterical people try to make you hysterical and our job is to never get hysterical. Know that the ups and downs, whatever's going on, may not make sense in the moment. It certainly won't. But know that God is in control of all of it. And the proper posture, if I may, for us to be in is a posture of trust and a posture of awe. Awe at the mysteries of God. We were just studying this on the podcast, uh, Romans 11. So uh, Paul is writing a letter to the, the Christians in Rome. And Romans 11 is one of the most difficult passages of Scripture to interpret, really. And we did our best on the podcast. We did the best we could. But it's all about the relationship between Christians and Jews and the relationship between God and the Jews. And the question that Paul raises, because he knows the people reading this letter are asking the same thing, is did God reject his chosen people? What's going on? Did God reject the Jews? And Paul immediately says back, he says, by no means. And he goes into this whole explanation. It's the entire chapter. And it's beautiful. And there's times where it's perhaps confusing. And once your head is spinning as fast as it can, Paul ends Romans 11 with, uh, with, with this praise of God. He said, oh, the depth and riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For who has known the mind of the Lord? <laughs> no one. And he ends with, for him be glory forever. Amen. The beautiful ending to a pretty complicated section of scripture. No matter how awful things seem to be, no matter how anxious you may be, just know that God has it all under control. So when your head is spinning, you can end it with that last section of Romans 11. Like, oh God, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Also know that God raises up all of our leaders. Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, is an opening speech. He had it right. Here's what he said. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is <clears throat> very clear. That, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you. All of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. And that's true for you, too. That's true for you too. He's talking about Romans 13.1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. That may be a difficult section of scripture to accept, but it's true. That's it. That's it. It's right there. God is in control. We have our role, of course. Right? That's not an excuse to sit back and coast or ignore injustices in front of us. Could you imagine if that's what God meant? He's like, oh, I, I got it. Don't worry about it. Kick back. I got it from here. That's not it. But still, get out there, but know, have the peace, knowing that God is in control. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's everywhere. He's outside of time. We did a section of our podcast on that, too. He created everything. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knew you before you were born. That is all true, and there are human choices and human consequences, decisions, but God is in control, and he's in control of America. Here's the question. Will God bless America, or will America be in judgment for our actions? That's the question. Will God bless America? Because we all heard the song, right? We just assume that that's, of course, what God's always going to do. I'll bless America. Nope, we can be held in judgment as well. I think we are right now, quite frankly. Things are pretty wacky. So I think we're in judgment. It can get a lot worse. But we all have a role to play. I'm not giving up. 
We have elections to win. We have hearts and minds to change. It's a hard battle, but it's a good fight. I want to end here with a quote from Abraham Lincoln. This was written on a piece of paper that was not intended to be seen by anybody. And it was in the midst of a horrible war, fate of the nation hanging in the balance, men dying, lives destroyed, his own personal struggles as well. And he was just trying to make sense of it. Here's what he wrote down. He said, the will of God prevails. In great contests, each party claims to act in accordance with the will of God. Both may be, but one must be wrong. God cannot be for and against the same thing at the same time. In the present civil war, it's quite possible that God's purpose is something different from the purpose of either party. And yet the human instrumentalities working just as they do are of the best adaptation to affect his purpose. I'm almost ready to say that this is probably true, that God wills the contest and wills that it shall not end yet. That was Abraham Lincoln's conclusion, that God is in control even of this. He could have either saved or destroyed the union without a human contest, yet the contest began. And having begun, he, God, could give the final victory to either side any day. Yet, the contest proceeds. God can do whatever, yet the contest proceeds. Indeed it does, with us and with you, right now. Mike Slater, The First TV. Thanks for being here. Spread the word.